Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast and my guests today are going to introduce themselves. So I'm Adam Teeter, I'm one of the co-founders of VinePair. And I'm Zach Jabal, I'm Adam's co-host and a sommelier in Seattle. Washington. Cool. That was good. That saved me um, a little bit of uh, <laughs> a little bit of energy. I'm just terrified of getting people's names wrong. <laughs> so, what are we, we what are we guys going to talk about? Talk about podcasting and the idea that everybody should have one. It's like a pet, isn't it? It is. I mean, I think at this point in time, every media company definitely has to have one. We launched ours about what six months ago now. Yeah, we've been putting episodes out for six months, but it's been, I'll be honest, about a year and a half long process, mostly of me cajoling Adam over and over until he finally said yes. Yeah. You just beat him it's actually kind of romantic in a way. Yeah, okay, so, so what if you guys want to hold hands? I don't mind, that's fine. Like, <laughs> we are sitting mind. rather close together in this studio, Monty. So, I mean, obviously the original vision, how far, uh, how close to that have you actually got? Do you yeah, why don't you chat about how we started it, or what, what the idea was for that? Yeah, so actually what happened was I had Adam on as a guest on my um, other podcast, uh, which is sort of on hiatus now, called Disgorged. So it's, um, it's nepotism rules, basically, isn't it? Uh, sort of, yeah. It was a little quid pro quo. But, uh, and we had, I think, a really good conversation. We talked a lot about sort of, you know, media as it uh, associates with wine and things like that. And then in the back of my mind, I was like, well, you know, it'd be interesting to think about doing a more regular podcast with Adam, I think we have disagree after listening to us, uh, a good sort of repartee with one another. And there's just something about the format of podcasting, which I think lends itself really well to discussions of things like wine. And at the time, VinePair had done a little bit of audio work, but didn't have a regular podcast. So basically it was me saying like, hey, let's do this. And then Adam saying, okay, let me check with, you know, the other powers that be. And then a month and a half going by and me emailing Adam again and being like, hey, so what's going on? And after a few few rounds of that, we finally actually started recording, which is great because I think it's gone uh, gone pretty well. Yeah, I mean, for us, the, the biggest thing with podcasting is for any media company looking to get into a podcast, we had to figure out first, like, are we going to be able to sell it to advertisers? What's it going to look like in terms of an audience and like in terms of production value? But once we were able to figure all that stuff out, it made a lot of sense. Um, so, yeah, we've been having... We've run the podcast for about six months now. Uh, we put on an episode every week, so I think that totals how many episodes we have now? Thirty. No, we're probably we're in the low twenties at low this 20s. point that have been actually released as at, at time of recording. So unlike this podcast, your quality rather than quantity. Uh, we're a little bit of both. I mean, weekly is. I think weekly for for our kind of content is pretty good. I mean, if Adam and I didn't have enough else going on in our lives could we probably do two podcasts a week maybe but but wine is one of those challenging topics where i think unless you're going to really focus on the news and let's be honest most wine news is kind of boring to most people there's not that much interesting that happens you kind of have to talk topics and and content and you know adam knows from running a media company sometimes content is hard to find and so you know you don't want to do what i what i wanted to avoid what we want to avoid is you know feeling like we're forcing it. So weekly kind of allows us to, to strike that balance where we can be topical and timely, but we're not you know struggling to figure out what the hell we're gonna talk about. I also think for us, the goal is creating a podcast that is very accessible. So, you know, VinePair is the largest publication in the US because it's accessible when we write about wine, beer, cocktails, etc. So while I think Zach and I would like sometimes to like really geek out, we have to also remember that there's a barrier of entry to those geeky conversations, even in terms of just the vocabulary we may use or the way we may talk about regions and assume that someone is aware of those regions. So for us, when, we, when it comes to planning for podcasts, we're really thinking too about how do we 
we ensure that a general consumer, the same person who potentially also on their you know commute to work maybe listens to NPR, uh, just national, national public radio, yeah, and also listens to potentially like the Daily New York, the New York Times podcast, and some other ones, these other podcasts, and just adds us to their repertoire. That's what we're really thinking about, as opposed to someone who's like, look, I'm going to listen to every single drinks podcast out there because I'm I work in the business and I really want to understand this. I think you know Levy Dalton's podcast is a good example of that. Like I'll drink to this pod or whatever, or drink to that. Yeah. It's really for people who work in the industry, geeks, which is great. But we knew we we couldn't create that if we wanted it to be much more mass market. Yeah, and I think you know it's it's important. You know, we each in our own way need to sometimes be reined into from going down those rabbit holes. Which which you know for both Adam and I, it's it's fun because. Uh, beverage is a passion for both of us so it's very easy to get carried away and you know but it's true that you want to walk that fine line you know I, I always think of it as sort of uh, my goal with the podcast when I when I sit down and think about an episode is to is to leave things so that the interested listener wants to go find out more I don't want to answer all of their questions because there's no way to do that and it's I'd rather leave someone saying like huh I wonder if that or like oh I prompts questions as opposed to a really comprehensive look at a subject because for one that's impossible really to do it then it does alienate people because there are the people who want to like yeah they want to learn a little something about any of the topics that we've covered they want to learn a little bit about napa valley they want to learn a little bit about bordeaux or they want to learn a little bit about what they should have at thanksgiving but they don't necessarily want to be inundated with facts and and information and you know like i said for me that's a challenge sometimes because i like to talk about those things but but keeping it at that level is, is a really good goal. Yeah, I think it's uh, like a good lesson to learn that we've had to teach ourselves. We've learned through the print publication and then also through the podcast is like most consumers don't care about soil composition, right? Like they just don't. <laughs> like they don't care about the climate of a certain growing season. It's just like not what they care about. They care about like, is this good? What, who should I drink it with? When should I drink it? Why should I drink it, right? Like for us, we have to walk that fine line of like potentially want to talk about some soil composition, but also not really wanting to because half of our podcast listeners will, will turn the podcast off. You know, they'll use that really handy skip forward 30 seconds button a bunch. <laughs> I also think, you know, it actually, it brings me to sort of something that we had just mentioned, which is sort of the complexities of Italian wine and translating them into a podcast medium or any medium where you're where you're not dealing with great deals of specificity because to me one of the real challenges is as a sommelier as well as a podcast host and writer is Italian wine almost demands complexity the wines themselves are usually pretty complex and just the combination of the number of varietals the growing regions and the differences within them it's a, it's a generally speaking a, a subject that defies my attempt to be very very general about it because otherwise you end up saying really boring and sort of not very useful things like Sangiovese is like, uh, you know, has a medium body, is high in acid and tannin, and, you know, it goes well with tomato sauce. Like, I mean, that's fine, but that's not really the sort of thing that we're trying to talk about either. And and that's where I think it comes down to the other part of podcasting that can be really powerful, um, which is the ability to um, tell a story, whether it's a story of a specific wine or of a place or of a person or of one of our own experiences. And I think some of the most powerful moments and the, and the best moments we've had on the podcast have been when either 
Adam or I are able to talk about experiences that we've had. And, and even if they're not experiences that our audience has shared, I think about what makes, you know, what makes a great podcast like uh, This American Life or things like that powerful. It's not because necessarily the listener has experienced what is being talked about personally, but it's that a story is being told. And human beings, we love stories. We love to be told stories. And so I, I try and think about that as much as I can, which is even though there's a way in which talking about yourself can be a little bit self-indulgent for sure, <laughs> you also have to remember that there is a, a real power. You know, people in the end listen to podcasts, I think. Most people listen to most podcasts because they like the people who host it, yeah. right? They want to hear you know, hopefully Adam and me talk about wine, beer, spirits, but really kind of ourselves too. And that if you try and remove yourself too much from the podcast, you know, this is what happened to me with my first podcast, or which is that it was a much more of an interview focused. I, I, and it, I found it really interesting. I got to interview a lot of really interesting people in the world of beverage. And some of them I think were, were quite good, but you end up just asking questions and then relying on your guests to be interesting or not. They had some interesting guests like Adam, I had some less interesting guests who I won't name. And uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, sure sure you've had, I'm sure you've had some interesting guests and less interesting guests. Uh, <laughs> no comment. And uh, as a result, like, it was very hit or miss in terms of that quality. And I think with, with the Vine Pair podcast, what, what is good is that, you know, Adam and I have a lot of similarities. We have a lot of shared experiences, but we also have very different experiences. We live in totally different parts of the United States. And That's so, actually interesting. Yeah, we, we make the show in two different locations. So I come in from our studio in our offices in New York City, and Zach rents a studio in Seattle, Washington. And we we work, we hook in via the interwebs uh -huh. once a week to make this show, which is which is pretty cool. Also interesting, because actually, this is the first time he and I have ever met in person. Yeah. I'm You're been, joking. No, I'm no. not. I'm no. We met face to face less than an hour ago. You just walked in literally to the studio, right? Yeah, we've never just got off a plane, before. both of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, you weren't even on the same plane together. No, no. that's why I find that incredible. Yeah, yeah. you guys just look so cute. <laughs> it is like a little bit like uh, one of the scenes in like I don't know. There probably weren't there those movies that came out in like I feel like in the mid '90s where like someone met on and people like was like, you got movies. mail right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got yeah. Oh, we had. I was thinking more of when Harry met Sally actually. I'm not going to ask who's who. Um, yeah, so I think the point I was trying to make is just that, that storytelling and the interaction of the hosts with one another is, I think, a large part of what makes a good podcast in that that is what makes then information relatable to people yes. is that they, they can trust that Adam and I are knowledgeable and knowledgeable to an extent that we're not going to necessarily share on the show other than in little bits where it comes out every now and then. And, but also are genuinely interested in communicating these things to our audience. And, and I hope that is what comes across. You know, you never totally know. But, you know, in the feedback that I think we've both gotten, it seems like that's that's what's happening. And, and we're just, we're trying to, to make the subject that we're both passionate about, that is our life's work, relatable to people who may not ever see it in that light, but do enjoy drinking and want to know more about what they're drinking and why they're drinking it and, and have some some guidance, but also some, I don't know, support, I guess. What did you two major in at college? Different things. So I was a journalism major. I was um, actually also a journalism major. Oh, right. So uh, yeah. two geeks, basically. Yeah, I mean... Two, I, two peas in the pod. I think it's interesting because I think most people in it's, the podcast it's, world... It's very unusual, just to say, very unusual that um, in wine, the I'm one of them, quotes, people call me a journalist. I'm not a journalist. I'm a wine writer. I'm not a trained journalist. And most wine writers are not at all journalists. It's very no. interesting that you guys actually have that professional so, background. So that was actually really important to us when we started Vine Pair because I found 
that there's an issue here. So the biggest thing I think that most people are trying to do when they read about wine, when they read about food, is really understand cultures, understand politics. There was this really amazing article actually two weeks ago in the Columbia Journalism Review, which is all about how in the last four or five years, a lot of writers winning Pulitzer Prizes in the U.S. are food writers because they're writing about food as a way to talk about culture, as a way to talk about race relations, things like that. And we're seeing the same thing in beverage. So when we started Vine Pratchett, it was really important to us that the writers we hired were journalists, had journalism degrees, had had written for other journalistic outlets, weren't necessarily, you know, just people who had traveled and then therefore were travel writers, right? And had sort of fallen into it. Really one people who understood how to tell larger stories. And I think that's what we think about a lot when we talk about, when we deal with the podcast, is how do we tell a larger story through talking about these wines or talking about this whiskey that we're, you know, that we're interested in, how we talk about entrepreneurship or how do we talk about quality and value and how do you place value on those things. That's really important to us when we think about the types of stories we want to tell on the podcast. But yeah, I mean, it is interesting because you never know if it really translates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because I would, I would sort of echo a little bit what Adam said, but also talk about sort of you know, the journalism background part is definitely yeah, a little bit atypical in, in this industry. And for me, like, especially I was a, in particular a broadcast journalism major. So while I've done a fair bit of writing, um, in addition to working in restaurants since I was, I don't know, 15, the audio side of it, the, the sort of digital media side of it was something that I actually studied in school. Uh, so it's very interesting to me because I did that and then did not work in the industry for a period of time and then through wine and beverage found my way back into it. But that training is still there and it's actually, I'm going to relate my own little funny story, which is, so when we first started doing the podcast and I would, I also edit the podcast and I was coming at it from the perspective of someone who did produced radio segments. And when you produce a segment for traditional radio, you're trying to make the audio as clean as you can. And the idea is that, you know, everything is very polished, that it sounds like what you expect to hear on the radio. And my wife, after listening to one of the early podcasts, said to me, like, you know, why, what, what are you doing? Like, yeah, there's some likes and ums and pauses and people stutter. But the podcast, the idea of it is that it has that authenticity. You're not making a radio show. You're making a podcast. They're different, even if sometimes they're they're grouped together. And so I, was, I took that note to heart and I said, that's a good point. And so I really try to limit the amount of that really kind of cleaning of the audio that I do other than to make it, you know, obviously um, listenable. And every now and then when there's a, a digression or when <clears throat> I say something bad about a sponsor and don't realize it. Um, <laughs> with those it only f- happened once. Yeah. With those few exceptions, um, it does, it does sort of make me fight against my own instincts or my own trained instincts, I guess, as a journalism student, but it, I think, makes the end result actually sound better, more natural. And that's, you know, that's an important part too. Yeah, it's interesting, this idea of storytelling, because, and the lack of it traditionally in wine journalism, but it is now emerging, even in, in the print media, this idea of, of giving an article some sort of narrative. Otherwise, it's, I went somewhere, I tried some wine, it smelled of strawberries, and I gave it 55, what, 85 points, bam. Nobody it's, cares. Nobody gives a shit, right? No, I mean, I think... The biggest thing in terms of that with wine writing is wine writing has a has a long history of talking about experiences that the consumer can never have. Yeah, right. I tasted this wine, it tasted this, and it was right. great. And I did it with the winemaker in the cellar from the barrel. Like, 
no one else gets to do that, and we try to be very cognizant of that in when we talk about wine and when we write about wine, right? If, if the reader, I mean, I think one of the, the best examples of this was sort of like what was happening in the early aughts with a lot of the food publications. So Savor was really guilty of this, right? I mean, even though they sort of revolutionized food writing, they then were their own worst enemies and is why they're basically almost out of business. And the problem was, you know, one of the articles that I remember really distinctly was a wine writer. It was a, no, it was a food writer who basically like was like, I took this amazing trip of wine and food across Spain with Jose Andres. It's like, yeah, well, no one else gets to do that. You know, and that's cool that you have these late night stories of making gin tonics with Jose Andres and learning about how amazing a gin tonic can be. And then also having him pour you a wine from Priorat and understanding this is this amazing region, but no one else gets to have that experience. So you maybe you have that experience, but you, you have to try to tell the story a different way. Yeah, but you've got to communicate the experience exactly. in a way that people appreciate rather than just, um, just otherwise it's just showing off. And and that's what a lot of these older publications tend to do. But you know, I'm going to do a podcast later on just saying, God, I, I Adam Tito on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no one wants no one wants to hear that, you know. And I think we try to talk about that with the podcast too. So where can you go when we write about wines, when we talk about these wines, to actually try them, right? And if you can't go someplace and actually try them, then it's not. No one wants to listen about it. Like I want to listen and then go do. Yeah, it's not like a movie. Someone reviews a movie, and you can go and sit, right? Exactly. You can't. You can't fly off to Priorato or wherever it is. And uh, exactly. You know, you do get that. I mean, I'm a, obviously a lot of connections with Montalcino, and some of the writing on Montalcino, it, it is. You get the feeling that the journalist is really happy to tell you that they tried a wine that only three thousand bottles were made, and which is fine, which is great for the journalist. It's, it's great. And if you get give me some technical information about it, but if you just say I just tried this and I'm really kind of privileged or whatever, it does come across as a little bit elitist yeah totally and uh, and that really isn't I think what it should be about and that's where kind of wine got a bad name I think in the, in the early days and there still is that perception of elitism oh you work in the wine industry I think it, it reminds me of something that Adam has said several times on the podcast in various episodes he's quite, he's quite repetitive he, he? yeah you know <laughs> he's got his talking points and one of them is you know in the end it's just it's just alcohol right it's just fermented grape juice and obviously we don't really think that's the beginning and end of it otherwise we wouldn't bother doing this right. um, but there is something that has to be kept in mind which is that for a lot of people you know they drink wine beer spirits whatever first and foremost because they like what happens to them when they get a little drunk and we all do too and so you know there's something about that 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 has to be kept in mind whenever we do a podcast or anything like that and it's you know remembering that that again our own interest our own passion our own devotion to this subject is we're in this regard you know we're in the one percent of people or less than that who give a crap about any of this in that to that degree and as a result i have to remember myself sometimes okay let's take it back a notch you know but at the same time you don't want to be too reductive about it it's, it's a balance right yeah. you have to you have to walk a line and and you have to you have to you know we don't want to come across as not really caring i mean we want i think to be very clear to the audience that both of us deeply care about this that whether we love something hate something or feel somewhere in between it's a subject matter that we think about a lot that we that we care about and it is one of the really great privileges of working in this industry for me is that i have the tremendous ability to both you know work in cover a subject that I also get to enjoy on my own time. And, you know, I was, so to speak a little bit more about myself, apologies, but I'm doing what I said I would do. <laughs> I, so I actually was really interested in sports journalism as a student in college, and I thought that was what I was going to go into. And it wasn't until I got closer to graduation and met some actual working journalists, it had some internships, and then some friends of mine who were a little older had entered the profession that I realized that, like, 95% of sports journalists hate sports. Like, they're sick to death of it. They don't want to watch 
much on their free time. They've lost the passion for the sport that gave them their entry into that field in the first place and that it's their job and when they go home they do anything else and I didn't want that to be my life I didn't want to cover a, sp a subject that was going to be you know totally that then I was going to be totally sick of sick of yeah I didn't I didn't want it I didn't want that to be me I didn't want to be forced to talk about something you know for a living that I really would have avoided had I had any choice and so fortunately beverage is something that I don't see myself ever getting bored of, and that even when the 10th person at a cocktail party is like, oh, so tell me what you think about this wine. I don't really ever get tired of talking about wine or, or beer or spirits or whatever it is, although sometimes people will get tired of hearing me. So with that said. <laughs> it is true. It, it is true. I think wine is one of those really interesting things for me, too, where like I don't get tired of talking about it. And I used to work in the music business before this. And oh, it's amazing music and sport. And, yeah, and, and you both and, ended up on Skid Row in the wine industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and music was like, you know, I worked with some really amazing bands, covered a lot of really amazing bands, and you get sick of going to concerts. And like, I was like, well, I, I want to stop so that concerts can still be a pleasure, whereas I don't really get sick of tasting wines, of having someone bring me something and say, hey, you've got to try this, it's amazing. And also because of the point that, you know, Zach made, which is that I also kind of do like a little bit of what I feel like when I get a little buzzed. And I think, you know, there are, the craft beer industry is much better at taking itself less seriously and understanding that there's that part of it as well. Some of the spirits industry, the cocktail industry for sure, is good about it. Some of the whiskey people are, take themselves pretty seriously too. Um, and it's interesting for me to watch the evolution of what's happening now in uh, parts of the United States and also in Canada with the cannabis industry. All the publications that are now forming and the questioning of, you know, are they going to start trying to take themselves super seriously? Yeah, or, they are, yeah. You know, yeah. varietal cannabis and biodynamic it's, cannabis. It's very interesting. You know, the vineyard I used to work on in, uh, in uh, Mendocino County, which is a biodynamic farm, is now is now a marijuana plantation. Really? Biodynamic, yeah, yeah. It's oh. crazy. Yeah. It's probably more profitable for them. Probably yeah, a lot sure. More. Absolutely, yeah. Biodynamic cannabis, I've not seen that yet. Oh, come, come. And I have to now. <laughs> now I'm going to have to. Does that mean we're going to use natural <laughs> pot? All, yeah. I, all I see is it's all biodynamic. the biodynamic. It's a certified biodynamic wow, pot. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Well, I've learned a new thing, which is always good. Is the high the same? Well, I haven't. I, you know, unfortunately, I was only there for uh, four days earlier on this year, so I haven't. I haven't been able to. Didn't have time uh, to, uh, to, <laughs> to try. To try. That, um, is, that is an unconvincing explanation. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I sat next to the guy that owned the. He's a very well-known wine producer. And he's still making wine, so I won't name him. But it's all legal. But no, I would love to have tried actually seriously, but just to see. I'm um, super curious. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, the, how you feel the next day? If you feel feel a bit zonked, or if you feel nicely zonked, or if you feel a bit kind of hangoveryy zonked, because you can get that if you smoke a joint as you can with beer or whiskey or spirits or, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or wine. So, uh, so it's, it, it's absolutely classic, isn't it? I get two stoners in to, <laughs> to talk about podcasts and you're just talking about, about booze and, and, yeah, and getting high. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, I mean, look, we all, we all love that. <laughs> both, of them, both have lost eye contact at that very moment. They both looked up at the ceiling. I mean, <laughs> uh, we, we definitely, yeah, you know, you, we human beings love uh, altered states of consciousness, however we happen to get Exactly. There. Let's just, let's call that. Yeah, let's, let's call it a day. So, so I want to say thanks to my guest today. Adam Tita and Zach Jabal. 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 <laughs> Let's see what I, I shouldn't have spoken. I should have spoken. That's all right. That lost stogie. That's really thrown me off my off my game. The Vine Bear hosts. It's been really cool, funny to talk to you, and um, some great observations about what works and what does not. Work yeah, thanks for having us. When you're yeah. talking, thanks to so much, Monty. Thanks a lot. Follow Italian Wine Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. <laughs>